there is a little bit of that like small scarcity mindset that exists, but then we always, you know, we have to remind each other like, hey, it's okay. Like us being positive, us being collaborative has always allowed us to come out in the best way, to serve in the best way. Like sometimes we don't even know how something is gonna happen. And then it comes through. And I believe that's because of the fact that we've been so like pure heart, like really focus on what the intention is, what the mission is um, and doing it in the, the way that serves the people the best and not the way that, you know, makes us the most profitable. Yeah, it's almost cringy how cliche it is, but it really has been that experience as I look back. Every time we felt like we were coming up against a wall, some relationship we made two years ago materializes into something that provides fruit for everyone. And it's just been an ongoing cycle of that. And so we've we've been, you know, strengthened in our belief that if we just keep focusing on the entrepreneur, if we keep focusing on the mission, the other things will just come mm-hmm. organically. And that's been the case. Welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, where you'll hear conversations that generate one aha moment after another for you. There is an enormous wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world that almost no one knows enough about yet. In fact, it's so well hidden by the negative noise in our media landscape that I'm calling it a conspiracy of goodness. Yes, it is still an amazing world out there. And we're here to introduce you to some of the people making it that way. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of The Goodness Exchange. That's the mothership website of this podcast. It's a global place where you can have instant access to good news, articles, interviews, videos, and links to what's right with the world. The purpose of this podcast and The Goodness Exchange is to put a spring in your step again so you can live with less fear, more joy every single day. And we're going to get started on that right now with a fabulous interview with George Zabretsky and Lolo Smith. They are both innovators of the best kind. Their egos don't get in the way of progress. They can laugh at themselves and they have a sense of adventure about business and helping others. I find their story to be a template for what's possible in the future for us all. When people just have this see it, solve it attitude about creating businesses for themselves. So to explain a little bit about what's so marvelous about their work is that they saw the problem of of a world full of organizations that are built to help social entrepreneurs and business startups. But they also recognize that there's this huge gap in people that want to do that, don't even know where to start. So there's very little access to what might make you successful if you want to start a new business. Well, they've solved that. They and a partner in, uh, in Columbus are renovating a 40,000 square foot building that will be a hub. So if you have an idea, you have a business you want to start, you have a way to improve your neighborhood, you can walk in and be instantly connected to people who can give you financial help, get you the right educational tools, connect you to others who may be right close to your wheelhouse. It's a fabulous idea. And probably the most important thing is that it's solving a problem that we need solved in almost every city in America and beyond. So we want to talk to people like this who are in the see it, solve it area of of innovation and entrepreneurship. And George and Lolo are right there. So welcome, George and Lolo, to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. Yay. So happy. I'm (laughs) super Well, I'm so delighted that about the connection we made. Folks should know that we have a common friend in a podcaster in the Columbus, Ohio area named Adam Morris, who has a great podcast called People Helping People. And I got contacted Adam recently and said, tell me who I should talk to next. And you guys were first on his list. Oh, that's awesome. Adam's good people. Every time that's I see nice. Smile. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, he's so terrific. So thank you for joining us for this episode live in the opener. I've, I've got people primed to understand that there's this world of social entrepreneurship and people seeing problems and creating solutions. But the, the challenge seems to be in our digital world, everything's become pretty, pretty disconnected. Like when you need something, 
you don't know where to go. And this is the problem you guys are solving. So why don't you take the lead and give us a little bit of an introduction to the problem you guys solve and maybe a couple of stories of success so we can get right off on that foot. Okay. I feel like we got to work on our cues on who's going to speak first. (laughs) That's all right. I can start off. Yeah, we we realized exactly what you said. I like to describe it as everyone's working in these cylinders of excellence, right? There's a lot of good going on, but it's kind of isolated in these pockets. And just like anything else on the internet nowadays, you know, there's so much noise and it's easy to get lost when you're trying to find a solution for something. So uh, we really wanted to tackle that as a large part of our offering. Yeah. And one of the biggest things like we see when we deal with different businesses that come to us and they're like, hey, is a lot of people just don't know where to start. And if you don't put in the right words in Google (laughs) or if you don't know the right people, sometimes you are put at a disadvantage before you even get your foot in the door. And so I think like a few or a couple of years into us, like just being in our cylinder of excellence and being like, okay, this is how we want to serve. We notice like, okay, we can't just serve. We also have to figure out a way to solve this issue of making the ecosystem a little bit more friendly and not as fragmented. And so that's kind of like, been a big project of ours now. So yeah. Yeah. You know, what I loved about hearing about your idea was that, you know, here at the Conspiracy Goodness podcast, we talk to people every day. We write articles about people every day who are solving just (laughs) millions of problems for others and making the future better. But if we can't find them when we've got the problem, (laughs) that seems to be the trouble. I liken it to if we're all these little disparate points of light sparkling out in the darkness, we're pretty quiet when we're just individual sparkles. How do people know? But if we can form a constellation, anybody can look up and see the Big Dipper and know that points north to goodness and progress. And I love that. I'm right. I'm stealing that. That was awesome. (laughs) So funny. The first time that I heard you say that, I was like, Oh my God, that it because you visually see that mm-hmm. of like, and we're not the only industry in business is not the only industry that feels fragmented. Like I was just talking to someone who was in the health field and they were like, how do I like figure out resources for, you know, this, or it just feels like it's, it's just everywhere. So, so yeah, I mean, I guess we could tell a little bit more about yeah. Tell us the story of somebody that uh, tell, give us a good example story of what you make possible for people. Let's start with maybe a story of a connection that wouldn't have happened or that happened out of serendipity, but should have been easier. Do you guys have, because that's the whole thing. We've got to connect up like those stars in, in a constellation. Tell us the story of connection. I think we both have like a really, really good story. Thinking the same one. Yeah, thinking the same one of us meeting our newest partner, our newest business partner. Maybe you should tell it because you were really excited about it at first and I wasn't excited. (laughs) Yes. So it's crazy, right? We want to form this constellation just to, to follow that imagery across. And we pride ourselves on being collaborative, but even in two years of business, we are still finding people that we hadn't been connected with, which are doing amazing things in the community. And the one we're thinking about is Derek Pinnell, a serial entrepreneur, had been operating in this entrepreneurial ecosystem for many years across different verticals, really made a name for himself. And it just so happens that we had the privilege of meeting him earlier this year. And I went there based off of a conversation with a guy that I was mentoring previously, who Derek was also mentoring. And I just kind of wanted to see this environment, this space he was talking about. And I met Derek at his location. It was down on East Main Street here in Columbus. And yeah, East Main Street. And when we met, the energy was just there and we just connected and we were just vibing. And then we talked for maybe, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half. And we realized we both had the same goal in mind. We were both trying to get resource awareness education, engagement to entrepreneurs in our community. And we've been doing it along these separate paths the whole time. Yeah. And the funniest part about it was, so we were originally originally looking for a building <laughs> to move into. And one day Ski calls me up and he's like, what are you doing? I'm coming to pick you up. We're about to go drive past this building. 
So we go down, we drive down East Main Street and he shows me this warehouse, hole in the wall, huge, empty, crappy looking building. And he's like, but you got to see the vision. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, yeah, don't see that vision. Okay. Wasn't on board with it originally, but eventually he talked me into it. So I'm like, okay. Let's inquire about the building because it's for sale. Hmm. The day we inquired, the person was like, we just went into contract. And so I was like, oh, man, you know, and I felt really bad because I'm like, because of me, we're not about to get this building. So fast forward, the guy, Derek, who he was referencing is when we went to, well, when he went to go to that meeting, it was at that building. The, the guy who wanted to build out this huge entrepreneur center, who's seen that there was like this big gap when it comes to cohesiveness in the ecosystem of yeah. entrepreneurship. So he was like, let me just build a center that has representation of every entrepreneur support organization in the city. And we were like, me too. That's what we and we, to do. <laughs> <laughs> and we wanted to do it in this building. So it's just like, I think that that is like one of the most like spot on. Yeah, I think that's very serendipitous. That's by definition. It was just meant to be. And so now we as an organization, the Urban Business Development Center, are in charge of all the programming, the engagement, the uh, education, most of the education for that center. And we're part of that vision. We're helping building out. The three of us are helping to build out what that looks like and how everything is going to flow. And it's been an amazing 40,000 square foot journey mm-hmm. as, and we've just now got 3d renderings. We've had drawings and, you know, going through all those processes and it's been crazy, crazy. Oh, I got goosebumps a little bit. So this is, so th- it points to a problem as well as a giant solution. But I mean, the fact that you guys were going along pretty much parallel in the problem you're trying to solve and didn't know each other was out there. This is what I'm talking about, about us all being little points of light. And the sad thing is, I've been doing this good news. I've been telling the world about people like you for 10 years now. And some of the lights that that we have shown a light on have flickered out. Mm-hmm. Sure. This is the thing. You know, people can't hang on and do good in the world forever with no support, with no connections, without us sharing their work and finding a way to to be multipliers of each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you see it all the time. Don't you see that people that are social innovators, when they meet and the circumstances align, they it's like one plus one equals four? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I like to, I, you know what, this brings up a good point. Like, I like to think about like all of these myths that exist. And, you know, business and entrepreneurship. And like one of the biggest myths that exists is if on an entrepreneur support side with the resources is that if there's one organization that gets the resources that takes away from this pot for other organizations to get Mm -hmm. the resources. And so a lot of times people are a little nervous to be collaborative. People are a little nervous to share support because it's kind of like, okay, well, look, if you get funding or if you get support, that's going to take away from us. And we can't, <laughs> that's going to take away from our bottom line. And I think that now we're starting to change that narrative though. Like I'm seeing Columbus be more collaborative. We have a lot of these coalitions popping up. I'm seeing so many people from different organizations coming together, partnering on like these resource accelerators, competitions, educational panels. And so that actually has been like really, really refreshing. It's like we are really fighting that myth of there isn't enough to go around. Yeah, the scarcity. Okay. Which I get it. It's organic and people feel that way. Mm -hmm. Yes. This is why I got really interested after Adam introduce me to your 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 project i said you know i look at the world and i see that there's just a lot of scarcity phenomena going on like just mm-hmm. people acting out of fear mm-hmm. and acting well maybe we just could leave it that fear of loss of resources fear of of somebody overtaking them, just too much fear and that's all a, a scarcity what i got will go away kind of a mentality yeah. And and then there is this whole other world of people who live with an abundance mentality. And they're usually the ones that start at the craziest ideas. They just think, 
<laughs> Looking at each other and laughing. Okay, you got a story? Well, that was us. You know, we were blessed. We were very privileged to be able to bootstrap our price, our projects. And it was really like a, you know, a thought exercise turned to action. We were operating in a field that everybody said, hey, you can't do that. It's not going to work. It's not a good business model. And I'll be darned if we didn't figure out a way to make it work. And so it's just, we've seen that journey, right? And I think that has a lot to do with us being transplants to the area as well, because we're not bound and biased by these stories, some of these myths that already existed. So that's, that's been the experience for me anyway. But Columbus as a whole has been super welcoming, especially in the social impact community. I've just found it to be very, very collaborative. Mm-hmm. I, I tell you, the this podcast that we're both referring to, he has a never-ending list of people doing the coolest things in Columbus that he interviews people about every week. He's like really collaborative. Mm-hmm. I think you have to come out the gate. Like you're going to get back the energy that you put out. Absolutely. And it's, there's been times like, you know, we don't always, like we we get scared a little bit. <laughs> we, we, there is a little bit of that like small scarcity mindset that exists, but then we always, we have to remind each other like, hey, it's okay. Like us being positive, us being collaborative has always allowed us to come out in the best way, to yeah. serve in the best way. Like sometimes we don't even know how something is going to happen and then it comes through. And I believe that's because of the fact that we've been so like pure heart, like really focus on what the intention is, what the mission is and doing it in the, the way that serves the people the best and not the way that makes us the most profitable. Yeah, it's almost cringy how cliche it is, but it really has been that experience as I look back. Every time we felt like we were coming up against a wall, some relationship we made two years ago materializes into something that provides fruit for everyone. And it's just been an ongoing cycle of that. And so we've been, you know, strengthened in our belief that if we just keep focusing on the entrepreneur, if we keep focusing on the mission, the other things will just come organically. And that's been the case for sure. My lifetime movie. Well, I think that's a, you know, that's a great big picture takeaway message for everyone that's listening to this podcast, right? Is that we're talking about one slice of life that people like you two have seen something that you're uniquely built to contribute to this whole ecosystem. And I love the thought of an ecosystem of social entrepreneurship. I'm sure some of the people you work with, are they all nonprofits or some are B2B, some are Social enterprises probably leaning we towards service-based. Some are, you know, like we are considered a social enterprise and we actually have a lot of social enterprises that come into our organization or seek services okay. from us or assistance. But we deal with everything like service-based. Yeah. I mean, our focus really is servicing the black and brown community, uh, but we don't turn anyone away. And we heavily rely on our allies like Give Back Hack, Sea Change, Aventi, Rev One, SBDC, yeah. like all of these different. So like wherever you are in your business stage or what makes sense for you, we're going to make sure that whoever we're in a relationship with, we route you to the right place. Yeah, I think that's a great point. There's a ton of resources. Again, as we're talking about these stars in the sky that are kind of scattered all throughout the geographical central Ohio region. And we've been blessed to have relationships with all of these entities. And we've been we've come in operating at a space that really was kind of overlooked was that mom and pop solopreneur lifestyle business owner, not the fast growth, quick exit tech firm or bio or fintech. And so we were operating in that unique space that didn't get a lot of attention. So we're realizing at a ground level that all of these entrepreneurs and potential entrepreneurs, most of them, we were seeing, I don't know, 70% have a social impact connection. Some had social impact connections like Dante Cook with the curveball. He went to build an app for a game that turned into him putting this whole game ecosystem into the recreation center and other youth Mm -hmm. engagement. And now he uses his app to track the tournament scores between these real life tournaments where he just initially started off wanting to make a game to remind people of this curveball game that existed in his neighborhood when he was growing up. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. It's been crazy how we see these connections and how there is so much good just in people that you otherwise wouldn't see. And we wouldn't even be aware of if we weren't working in this space. It's just been really crazy. Yeah. It's, 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 it's something. 
<laughs> like I'm thinking about like I have so many stories. <laughs> like now I have so many stories. So I'm like, okay, oh my tell us another one. Jamie, Jamie yep. with her oh, I want to say it's an app. It's a well, she created an alternative credit girl. And she started off with just simply wanting to do credit, like help people improve their credit. And she went through our program. I'm like, I think there's a little bit more there than really pulling it out. She decided to create an alternative credit bureau for people of color who usually have low credit scores and put them on a plan. It will give them based off of how they follow this plan. It would give them an alternative credit scores that businesses are now considering to take into consideration. So if you're on your way to go into a 700, 800, those roadblocks or those barriers, now you have something else of like, okay, but listen, this person is actively doing the work. And so give them another chance. Yeah. And the credit reporting, right? It's yeah. to show the trends yes. and are they engaged? And yeah. And I think she just does a good job of telling, gap. filling the gap of telling the story. Cause sometimes people only see a 640, a 740 or a five, a four, but they don't really understand the story behind it. And so oh, I, I feel think- like me, I was a grown man before I even understood the weight of it. I was just fortunate to not make any really bad mistakes. I, you know, I was afraid of debt, but I was going to say, cause he's afraid of debt. I'm that. afraid of debt. It's the brutal right here. But you know, it's, it's so much we're just not taught growing up, especially in these urban communities. And it, sometimes it's too late and you've made mistakes that takes years and years and years. It's crippling. But yeah, anyway, I don't want to. Yeah. And that's true. That's true of decisions in life all over the place, right? My dad was a physician, but he came from nothing. And um, when he retired, he retired to be the physician at the local prison. And he always used to come home at dinner and tell us the stories of people he met that he was a rascal as a young, young person, ran away from home at 15, never to go back. And wow. He always looked at everyone as just, you know, it's an accident of birth. Like there were many, many times he could have turned right, he turned left, not because of any smarts, but by no more than an accident. And the roles could have been reversed for anyone he met. And, you know, we've got to think about that when we think about our advantages and and our disadvantages is that we've got to make it possible to, for everyone to have advantage of what exists out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me just make sure people understand what we're talking about here. There's a world, there's an ecosystem of good people doing things out there so people can have the business resources they need money-wise or skills-wise or connections-wise. There's just this whole world of people with good projects but if you need access to them, if you don't Google the right word, you they could be right across the street from you and you would never know they exist. You would never know. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm trying to put this simply. Okay, so what you guys saw this problem in Columbus, Ohio, it probably exists, what, every place in the world? Oh, I'm positive. I look back to my upbringing and I, I know it existed there years ago, you know, yes. and I've traveled a bit through my military career and I see it everywhere. It's not even just a U.S. thing, but, you know, that's where we're at. That's where we're focused right now. It is definitely an issue across spectrum. It's just a people issue. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So then, so you guys see this problem of all these disparate points of light out there, and you're saying somebody's got to do something about this, and you have you are creating with every day more and more progress towards b- bringing it all together. And in in one place, so people in at least Columbus, Ohio, I'm sure it involves local laws and state laws and all kinds of funding that's unique to cities or states or whatever. But anyway, you're creating a hub of sorts and there's an actual physical building, but I'm sure you're doing a lot in the way of connecting people with online resources and so forth. But now you've got this 40,000 square foot building where you're going to have all the players, you're going to try and get all the players in the same place. Yeah. To, to fill in the blanks there for me in, in that story, if I've got it right or wrong. No, no, you, you got it right. So, so we started off just to really quick, give some history and understanding of like as the you. And so as the you, we started off just wanting to simply offer business resources to black and brown businesses. And so it, we seen that there was a gap. At the time when we started, there was a gap of 
being able to get education that was culturally curriculum, I mean, culturally competent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so oftentimes, even myself, like I've been an entrepreneur for years. And I remember walking into a classroom once and taking a workshop and I felt so out of place. Like I felt like I didn't belong. I felt like this stuff wasn't relevant to my background, to my life, to who I was, who I grew up, who I'm around. And so it was pretty much a waste of time. And so we wanted to create a space where people, especially in the black and brown community, could come in as they were and get education that felt relevant to them when it comes to business and then actually helping them to really grow their business and make sure that it is scalable. So a lot of people have great ideas, especially people who haven't have been disadvantaged. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of great ideas. They have these things that they want to do, but oftentimes they don't know, they don't have the network to find out. They don't have access to the resources. And then they're often scared to go into these different places that exist because of the fact that the information isn't necessarily relevant to something that they would. And when I say relevant, I'm going to be like very specific. I'm talking about like Talking about funding, for example, there's been funding classes that I have taken and people are like, well, you know, you can leverage your personal credit. And unfortunately, if you're dealing with somebody who might come from a disadvantaged background uh, or even sometimes a black or brown background, they might not understand or have had the benefit of building strong credit. And then also you still deal with the then we'll, we won't get into all of that, but the things when it comes to the system of historically being left out of funding opportunities when it comes to getting business loans and things of that nature. And so you have so much against you, but you come to a class like ours. Well, we're giving you all of the different possibilities of how you are able to get funding with that in mind of like, okay, yes, I know you might feel like those, like if you're disadvantaged, you don't, you can't qualify for funding, but in reality, you can because you can, you. Let, let us show you how to do it. Like you can leverage other things besides your credit. You know, you can have a really, you can get investors. You can have a really good strategy for bootstrapping. So we just really help businesses. And then it evolved, evolved into what we are building now, which is the ecosystem, the hub, because outside of us just providing that, we realize we can provide everything. Ski and I don't know everything. We can't provide everything just with the you. And so then that's when we decided we need to elevate this idea. We came up with co-ed and now co-ed is the ecosystem, the hub that brings together all of these different resources that are in the city into one place. So the central of center of entrepreneurial development. And it's kind of simple, right? Let's go back to this constellation idea. So we're hoping to be that constellation on the ground. Somebody walks into the building and immediately they're getting assessed on where they're at in their entrepreneurial journey. And then instead of sending them away with a packet to check this off and come back, it's like, hey, let me send you off to office A2 and we're going to get you set up with this. And now, okay, let's get your taxes done or set up finance and account and all the different things that you need to start your business. Oh, do you need a business bank account? Well, we've got two banks that are in residence here and then these are the hours and there's one here right now we can compare and contrast, which is the best fit for you. Oh, you're a veteran. Well, you can have your banking account with a zero you know, standing deposit or you don't need money sitting in the account. <laughs> so so like there's all these things that we've learned through our journey. And that's one of the benefits I think we have is that we are in this state of recency. We've recently done all the things that we're teaching to folks. And then just real quick to to jump back backwards a little bit on the why, you know, I was in a tech startup prior to us starting the U and I was part of Y Combinator, one of the premier tech accelerators off the East Coast, or sorry, the West Coast, and a couple others regionally. And I always had that inferiority complex. I already had that, oh, should I really be here? Am I really in a position to do this? And I've seen my partners get the friends and family raise of $150,000. That's just not typically available in our community. And so it was very near and dear to me to want to have an impact in this segment where we don't have the traditional support networks that others do have. And so that's been a large part of that focus. And we're not even building per se the ecosystem. It exists. We're just kind of 
tugging the strings and pulling everybody into this one location. And there's already tons of folks that are like on board. They're like, yes, Mm -hmm. letters of intent. We're here. We're going to do this with you guys. We believe in this mission. It just makes sense for everyone. Yeah. It does make sense for everyone. (laughs) And I hope along the way, (laughs) that's just me. I drive everyone on my team crazy because I always think that the hundred thousand foot luck, I hope you're building something along the way that that is a, a, a model that's transportable. Because I'm sure at the most fundamental level and then quite some ways, it's a completely portable model that could happen in Chicago or Topeka, Kansas or anywhere, right? It's That is the intent, yes. I definitely want to take this back home. It's a personal mission of mine. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely lovely. And then I don't wanna I don't wanna get finished with this interview without asking you about more of these myths. <laughs> because what I see in the world it, from doing what I do, having, you know, led a team to write thousands of articles about all the good happening in the world and all these thought leader innovators, is that I worry about how many people have the idea, have the next perfect skill to open a path for us all. And yet the stories they're telling themselves are wrong. There's a lot of mythology that goes along with the kind of the entrepreneurial journey or not, or deciding not to, right? There's a lot of stories. So let's take a break and we'll come back. I want you to share with us, I'm sure there are a host of myths that we want to get right out on the table. So anyone listening to this can can use your insights as they stand tonight and move forward. Okay. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Dr. Linda here. First, thanks for joining us today. If you're inspired by the uplifting conversation we're having, I can boost that feeling with something new that we just created for the Goodness Exchange community. Our holiday gift guide just came out. As you might guess, we're trying to do as much good as we can with this effort to shine a light on the number of businesses that are making the world a better place. We've chosen 20 companies that give back to causes that we all care about, like people, animals, and the environment. There's something for everyone at every price point and some exclusive deals inside this gift guide. It's super. And if you're like me, the stress of finding quality of gifts kind of take the joy out of the holiday. So this gift guide answers a lot of problems. And then there's this fact that most people I'm shopping for are very values-based consumers now. They don't want a lot more stuff in their lives that comes from companies that don't care. So This gift guide will make you proud of the gifts you give and will keep on giving long after the new year. This curated guide, you'll find companies who share a passion for leaving goodness and progress in their wake. Do some shopping through the gift guide and you'll feel like you've got a superpower going for making a difference. And then subscribe to the Goodness Exchange. As always, subscribe to the Goodness Exchange. We need to support media that matters, media that's sustainable in in the way it makes us all feel. People who use the Goodness Exchange every day have a spring in their ship. They radiate joy and confidence because they know a more complete picture of the world. You can do more and be more in the lives of your kids, your coworkers, your family, and the people around you if you're filled with stories of goodness, remarkable, ingenious solutions, and progress that's happening out there. Get instant access to what's right with the world every day to change your future. Head to the Goodness Exchange and join us for a 14-day trial on us. See if it doesn't put us free in your step to know what's right with the world. Thanks. All right, we're back. Thank you so much, George and Lolo, for joining us on the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. George and Lolo run an organization in Columbus, Ohio, that I think is is a building model that's transportable to cities, maybe even countries all around the world, about how we bring these points of light, the ecosystems for entrepreneurs and social change, how we bring them together so that we all know each other and that we know what can work for us. So that if we're just starting out on the entrepreneur's journey, all that we have access to that can pave the way to success. So thank you so much for joining us. You know, when we went for the break, we were going to talk about the myths that might be out there that you've observed that keep people from starting. And I'm sure there's myths along the way that cause people to fold. So what are the stories we're telling ourselves? 
And what do we have wrong? So it's very interesting because one of the first things that I hear and something that I've even said before <laughs> and I've had to like catch myself with saying is that there aren't any resources available. There aren't any resources. I hear that all the time. There's no resources. There's no resources. And unless you're in tech, unless you're in a bio business, and that is not the case. Like I think about everything that they're doing with Sea Change. They've been really pioneering this whole movement of bringing together or building out a true entrepreneurship social impact hub with social ventures, Vicky over at Social Ventures. And there's so many different points like of these different things that I love about Columbus where people, all of us are identifying, okay, there's this fragmentation. It's not that resources don't exist. People just give up looking for them. <laughs> so <laughs> before you even get to the resources, it's easier to just be like, oh my goodness. Okay, I spent five minutes on Google and this is it. I, there's no resources available. But we've played in this this field for or this area for such a long time that we realized that that's not the case. It's not the lack of resources. It's more so just getting it in the hands of our community. Mm-hmm. And that's probably true of most social ventures. If people want to do good in the world and they're uniquely built to contribute something. I'm sure there's a way of connecting with folks who care about the same thing you care about. Presently, we've just got the Google search going on. So I love this. Okay, so that's the first thing that keeps people from starting. If you don't have the cash, you can't even imagine what the first step is. Give me another one. I think that also, I hear this a lot as well, that Columbus, I'm going to speak uh, specifically for Columbus, has very little to offer. Mm. <laughs> I'm I- sure people all in every city in America think that of their locale. I'm exactly. sure that that's not exactly. unique to Columbus. Except for Ski. Ski doesn't feel that way about Chicago. <laughs> okay. But a lot of people tell themselves that story about, you know, there's nothing special about where I'm from. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's a point, though. You, it's kind of, we do, even in Chicago, mm-hmm. right? It's all about the mindset, like you're saying, right? It's a myth because it's outside of your frame of reference. You just can't imagine that something exists because you don't see it around you every day. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is just getting into a space where people are doing those things, right? It's it's a very communal thing once you get in there, but it's hard to find it because it's not making a lot of noise. It's not on the news. It's not advertised everywhere. And so it is one of those things where you almost kind of have to know someone to get introduced to what's happening there. Yeah. And actually, that's a really, really good point. I think that Ski and I talk about this all the time. It is so easy to feel like you can't make it in a place that you're usually from. And when you go elsewhere, it feels like you are making you, you're finding success but it's really because you don't have all those filters. Like, yeah, yeah you, like, you don't see anything wrong. Like, oh, I could do this. I could do this. Like, you don't have these pre-built-in conditions that make you feel like, okay, you can't do it or you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And so, but Columbus has so much to offer. Like, I've talked to someone in business before and they're like, yeah, I got to move. I got to move to LA okay. or I have to move to... Houston. And I'm like, listen, it, if you could make it in Columbus, <laughs> you can make it anywhere. It's a city. It is a launch city. And it's actually been wrote about plenty of times, even in Forbes, that Columbus is like the, what is it? Silicon Valley of the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> so there's so much opportunity here. Well, and I love this, that this, you're, you're reminding us about the filters we're using. I'm a transplant to the place where my husband and I have practiced dentistry for 30 years. We think it's the coolest New England town ever. It's just, they have their little ski hill where your kids can go learn to ski right in the center of town. And the two, two sports <laughs> complex and the beautiful hospital, the park with the maple leaves turning every shade of the rainbow. And I'm from Illinois. I'm, I live in Vermont and I am an outsider. So I still see all the wonder here. Yeah. But when I go back to the town where my husband and I grew up in Illinois, I have that lens problem again. Yep. <laughs> I see it 
through the lens of all these preconceived notions. And that's that's a really important principle to to be a self-awareness to have no matter what you're doing in the world. Don't you think? Yeah. Yes. For sure. Definitely do. It's you have to continue to find the beauty and in your surroundings and what it is that you do. Cause it's very easy to get it gets old quick and you get used to things very, very fast. So and everyone's so quick to tell you about their negative story or the scarcity we're back to the scarcity thing in your surroundings. Whereas if you're new, it's just if your mind is searching for points of progress, you'll find them. Yeah. If you don't have the these this jaded opinion about your surroundings. Okay. Tell us another myth. If you've got a story about any of these, please add those as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I have, I have a couple. I'll just throw them out there. Maybe it'll spark a story, but you know, I'll just I'll rattle off a couple real quick. Oh, I'm so ready for my business. All I need is funding and a website. Oh. And I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Or that's not for me, but yet they've never tried to put themselves in that space to see if it is. Now, I want to be very clear. There are some spaces that are off-putting. There are. Absolutely. But I'm here to tell you from my personal experience, at least in this region, it's far few between. This is really a very welcoming ecosystem. So really, it's a matter of showing up. I'm big on this for 22. This is my thing. You got to show up. You just have to put yourself in the space around the people that you want to be doing that type of thing. So those are two. I'll let you. I know you want to say something. Okay, I'm going to save the funding, but I do want to (laughs) say something to the second part of like, you just have to show up or people, what did you say? People say like, that's not for me. That's not for me. That's not for me. I think a lot of times we hear that. That's a a huge myth we hear is like, oh, that's not for me. Or I don't want to be in that space. This isn't, I'm not that type of person or people just don't get it. One of the biggest things when it comes to having a successful business is networking, networking and making relationships. And oftentimes, even when I, even now, sometimes, but when I started off so many times, I felt that imposter syndrome and like, oh, I don't, I don't want to talk to them because they're going to know that I don't know what it is that I'm talking about, or I'm not a billionaire, a billionaire. And the fact is that most businesses are making under a million dollars. And so it wasn't until one time, oh my goodness. If this actually happens all the time, but I'm not going to say who, but we were having a conversation with someone and I really admired them. Like I was like, oh my God, we're going to be meeting them. We're going to sit down. We're going to be able to talk to them. Ask them how they built out this amazing thing. And when we sat down, they were like, yeah, business is terrible. Like, oh, it's so bad right now. Like, goodness. You realize everybody's (laughs) going through the same thing, right? Yeah. There's no magic. Like business is hard. Yeah. It's hard for everybody across yeah. the spectrum. They're like, we're going to have to like pivot this idea and bring in this. And for the longest, I had felt like, oh my goodness, if we pivot or if we bring in a new business idea, like that's going to make us look like we don't know what we're doing. They're like, yeah, we're about to do this. We're going to add this because sales are down over here. And honestly, most people, they don't really know what they're doing. <laughs> They understand the concept. Like we understand the concept of a good business model, but this is just theory. There isn't a blueprint that says this is how you scale a business. This is how you make it to a million. This is how you make it to a billion. Like we are literally playing. (laughs) We are theorizing. We're understanding principles. And then we're just using consistency to make it happen. So So right there is a really important point that I just keep hearing over and over and over again from thought leaders who are putting one foot in front of the other and solving some of the world's biggest problems. It's the consistency thing. Yeah. Yeah. Is they do keep putting one foot in front of the other. On the mornings they wake up and they can't see where to put the next step. They put it somewhere. They just do. And then they see what's there. And that's back to your... That's right. Right. So if you do put that foot in front of you, you know, and then you stumble, okay, note it, realize what went wrong there, go back and then adjust and try again. And I I don't know if this is appropriate time to bring it up. We were talking about books. So one of the books that ties in perfectly to what we're talking about here is a new one for us. It's called Traction. Now there's many other books like it. This just is another in that realm, but Traction has been amazing 
as far as laying out a blueprint, not on how to start and run a business, but how to make sure you're staying on track with what you think is the thing you want to do. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's very actionable. It has uh, activity sheets and charts and this, all these things to kind of help you continue to put one, one foot in front of the other. So I think that's a great resource for and, any. And to your point, you know, about showing up, sometimes that's the only thing you can do. Sometimes yeah. you have no idea what to do next and you just have to show up at a meeting or a, some kind of a group thing. And you just never know who you're, who's going to be sitting there next to you and swap stories. And before long, then you have your story of meeting your partner, your business partner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what? You probably had other things to do that night. You could have done something different with that. <laughs> All, almost <laughs> All the social entrepreneurs I interview have a story of serendipity where if they hadn't gone to this thing or that, the whole world would be different for them. Absolutely. It, it really is. Like if you, if you think about consistency, honestly, is like one of the biggest things I hear any entrepreneur talk about is if you just stay consistent, you will go so far versus keep stopping. And I'm like, I tell people like, don't, don't stop. Don't stop. Just keep falling, failing forward, and you're going to get it. But I see so many people who have stopped, and I'm like, man, that was a good idea. And then if they would have kept going, it's like, oh, man, like, now I see someone else who's doing it, but they stay consistent the whole time. So, yeah, please feel free to share books, podcasts, episodes, and any videos that you've come across that are useful to people. I'm going to make sure this book traction is in the show notes because I, I think that that we need to make sure that these kind of resources, here's one that I've got right here that I would recommend people. It's called fix this next. Yeah. 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 Have you run into him? This guy, Mike McCallowitz? On my lips. On my lips. I actually read that. It's I something. Love- yes. I actually have two books. They're not traditional. They're not necessarily about business. Well, the first one is, is, we Shall All Be Millionaires. That book is amazing, more so for women, but I do recommend men read it. Just if you're reading it, put yourself, every time she says woman, just think <laughs> like man. And okay, The Subtle Art of Not Giving it. Oh, no, I've, I've got that one in my library. Everyone needs no, to read Okay. <laughs> Dude, that like... sounds like something I would give my daughter for Christmas. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, I reread that maybe once every two years just because I have to remind myself, like it has so many good principles in it to remind myself to not take life so seriously. And when you do, you open yourself up to a world of things. Wow. That's lovely. Great recommendations there. We'll make sure all this is in the show notes for people. So and direct links. Okay. So tell me, tell me a little bit more about any myths that you see. I, I love this. Okay. Go. Okay. <laughs> that you don't need to practice, right? Like I just, I know what I'm doing. Don't need to practice. This materialized for us a week ago, well, just over a week ago, we were doing a pitch practice and we had some practice judges in the room that were actually professionals in the industry. One worked for a huge micro lender. One was part of a creative organization here in the community. And one was a previous student from one of our previous cohorts. She was alumni. And the three of those folks were observing and giving feedback on all of our current cohort, 10 folks, their pitches, right? As we build up towards our capstone event, which is our pitch contest and graduation. So one of the individuals that was pitching may otherwise might not have wanted to be there and practice. It didn't seem like to us anyway, that he was really taking it super seriously and was really prepared to go. But this guy showed up, he did it. And right there on the spot, right there on the spot of two of the three judges, two of them said, yes, I want to engage in investment. One said, I want to put money into this. You just tell me, we'll talk after, how do we do this? And another one said, well, my organization has programming and funding specifically for what you're trying to do. And we want to feed into that. People, the rest of the class in the back room was like, yeah, it was like, it was amazing. It was like, it was the actual graduation slash fish competition. And this was just practice. And that was just because he chose to show up because we'll have different judges that are in place for the actual graduation. So this was the one chance to be in front of those folks. And it wasn't even designed to be that. It was just designed to be feedback. 
And now there's already engagement since that week ago event where mm-hmm. now this person is getting traction that maybe, you know, maybe we've gotten it, but it would have been later or whatever. The fact is it's happening now because mm-hmm. he showed up and it was just so exciting. So it, it was like really tears in the room. It was crazy. I always like to say, you know, leave room for serendipity. You've got to leave room for serendipity. In our impulse to control everything, we really have control over almost nothing. And so we've got to trust that we, if we show up like that, that over and over again, it, this these sort of things, which is somewhere we started out talking about earlier. You've got to make yourself be present with the problem and open to all kinds of possible solutions and possibilities. And then it falls in your lap very often. Yeah. 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 That's what it feels like for sure. We've been recipients of that for sure. We're Sometimes we call it the Sagittarius love yeah. row, but I call it the Repsky box, but we've both been experiencing it. So it's probably the Sagittarius. <laughs> so I'm sure there are people that feel more or less disadvantaged than others in it. Tell me some myths about, I'm sure I'm always taken by how it's, there seems to be this propensity of men led, led funded businesses. I know there's a very famous TED talk about how women are left out of the equation, what, 90% of the time by investors. But tell me some more things like that. Like women led businesses may have more longevity. I don't know. Tell me about that whole. I just want to lead into it. Go ahead. I want to lead up to saying of all of our engagement entrepreneurs, 80% are women. Mm-hmm. 80%. Like from my perspective, it seems like we have to do a better job of getting men into these programs. But that's one part. That's one side of it. Definitely one side of it. But go ahead. I know you guys. Okay. So studies do show that women-led businesses have longer or their businesses. More profitable. More, more stronger. They're stronger. They have a better internal environment. Hmm. They have less turno- turnover, wow. longevity. And so oftentimes what the study, and I'll have to send it to you, but what the study shows is that men often, they take higher chances. Oh, higher risk. And so they have higher risks, but it's a slim chance that those are going to pay out. And so they do, but... Women, we are a little bit more safer. We like to build a stronger foundation. So we pay attention to the detail. And so that's why you see a lot of longevity because we're paying attention to how our staff feels, how our customers feel, what's that lasting impression and not just numbers, 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 but really leaving an impact. And so I know it can be very disheartening sometimes when you see that women aren't being funded as often, you know, by VC funds, as often as other organizations led by men or businesses led by men. But I like to think of it in a good way. VC funding is not the only funding. And that that particular stat was just for VC funding. And so there are so many other, like, I think in, I don't know what the stat is, but I would love to see like so many women were getting business loans through ECDI Mm. that they had to create a just a women's business center at ECDI. Uh, And the rate of the success of those businesses were above the rate of success for men. No offense, men are great. (laughs) But I think, you know, it's just encouraging to be able to see things like that because as women, we're often sold this story that we can't be as successful as men. That when, oh my goodness, I have a story for this. <laughs> okay. So I remember when we first started off, often people thought I was the secretary. <laughs> I mean, I used to get are that you? a lot. Like, oh, are you Ski's wife? Yep. Or, oh, you're the front desk receptionist. But, you know, th- that, At times it was a little, it did make me a little sad, but it allowed room, allowed room for us to really build relationships because people, I guess they weren't really expecting me to be the person or the (laughs) co-founder. And so it allowed people to build an authentic relationship 
with myself without looking at me as like, you're some CEO or you're some boss. Like we got to really get to connect on a level. And then it comes out like, oh, okay, wait, oh, you're the co-founder. And it also left some room on the back end to be able to focus on some of the details of the business. How are we building a sustainable business? So yeah. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah. So when we look at the scope of what you guys are doing over time, this is where I really think we've got to applaud you for your your savvy here and recognizing that there was a problem that you could solve and all the individual points of light over the scope of time. This is huge. If you make a difference in one social entrepreneur that becomes successful, think how many lives over the scope of generations that changes. Just one. Think about that all the time. Absolutely. You do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is the way. Yeah, we've just got to realize, you know, almost all the social innovators that I talk to don't aspire to change the world. I mean, nobody who ever did change the world didn't think they could. I mean, they started at it because they thought they, they could. But really, in the scope of time, this is like magic over generations. It is. Even the folks that may not continue on in the entrepreneurial journey, have now been exposed to some very fundamental things that they didn't know before coming in. So now they're telling their siblings, their kids, that everybody in their sphere of influence now has just a little bit more information. And I do see that. I see that long game of over time, now we're just raising the tide, even if it's folks not operating in that space. I can give advice to somebody doing something that I don't do, and it could be beneficial advice, right? It's that wisdom. And I think that's a large part of the impact. It's hard to, you know, it's kind of like, how do you really put numbers to that? But we see in the example with the VC engagement for women, do I really want to be proud that I'm not sharing, that I'm sharing my, my business with somebody else? Like the story behind that is, well, really what's happening is most women don't need the VC funding because they're building strong businesses that self-sustain. Mm-hmm. Like that's the, that's what we're saying. That's yep. the other side of yep. it. I have a, you know, and then there's this aspect that I'm reminded of, which you may see over time, but I was talking to a social innovator the other day. I met him right before the pandemic at a, a conference and I hadn't talked to him in three years, circled back to him and he had a sustainable chocolate company. He was one of the very first people to look at the way chocolate is made and see that child labor is foundational to all the cheap chocolate in the world. Foundational. It's just 100% of cheap chocolate is made on the backs of children. And so he started a a startup, a social entrepreneur startup that was going to produce chocolate a way that the farmers that are producing it can have a sustainable lifestyle all the way up through the supply chain. To sure, a chocolate bar would cost us 12 bucks, but chocolate is a luxury. Yeah. And to have it done right, I, I don't want it for $2 if it's made on the backs of somebody's eight year old, right? So, anyway, that whole mission that he strove and strove and strove at for 10 years, he couldn't quite get it across the finish line to make it a profitable venture at the very, very end. And then in the end, now he is the second in command. I don't want to. I don't want to give his identity away. But one of the largest B corps in the world that's doing work that's about sustainability in industry. Wow. Now, okay, he felt like embarrassed that his business didn't take off and be on fire. But it so uniquely prepared him to do just exactly what he's doing now. And he's going to have a lot more impact because he can share this this 10 years of experience with all these other people that are going to, that are working with this corporation. So I'm sure you, I'm sure that there's that too, that we. Another story. So another myth to dispel. (laughs) I can't talk about my business. If I tell anybody what I'm trying to do, they're going to take it and they're going to run off with it and I'll Mm -hmm. be stuck. Oh my gosh, this is probably number one for me, honestly. This is um, your paper. Oh, I need an MBA <laughs> or I need, like, I get it. I understand what it's, it's still stemming from that mindset of poverty, that mindset of scarcity, right? Like, oh, but listen, there's no new ideas, right? There's no new ideas. What the difference is people taking their ideas to action. That is mm-hmm. the difference. And if you don't talk about your idea, that gentleman, if he wasn't out there doing that work, like, that wouldn't have been visible to the other entities that he ended up working with that said, hey, we need what this person has. Yeah. It was just one person. He, like you said, is uniquely equipped to be able to do that. And everyone has this unique because this, there's that them 
that's part of it, right? It's the, the human mod, as we would say, like it's the you mod. You make the difference. And that's the that's one of the biggest Love myths. Right <laughs> yeah. It's the biggest myth is I can't talk about the business. You have to talk about the business. You have to put it out there. That's how you're going to find your tribe. That's how you're going to find the people that want to do what it is you're doing, but they don't have the skill set to do it. That's how you're going to find those uh, relationships. You have to talk about your business without the fear of somebody. Now, I'm not saying give away the trade secrets, your yeah, secret yeah. sauce, that kind of thing, but you have to be out here showing up and telling people what it is you're trying to do. You just have to. You have yeah. To. And I can't imagine also, how many people he impacted. Not only did he land a really, really great career, but just think about the people along the way whose lives have been changed because of him or changed their perspective, their viewpoint, what it is that they do, or made something more sustainable. I have a quick story about that. I think about growing up, I was around my aunt a lot. And my aunt, I didn't know what she did growing up. I just knew we used to take road trips in the middle of the week. We went and did fun stuff summertime. And I'd never seen her really go to work. <laughs> <laughs> and then as I grew up, I realized that she worked for one of the first Black hair care lines. And it was 100% Black-owned. The whole founding was Black-owned. And it was like so amazing. And she slowly started to teach me about like, okay, you can make a full living doing something that didn't just look like someone going to work or someone working multiple jobs or, and, and nothing that there's wrong with anything going, going to work, but it just was not a frame of reference for me until I was in her space. And I'm like, wow, like she had a huge house. She did all these amazing things. Like she really had flexibility and I think that experience of being around her showed me that whether I decided to go into a career or start a business, they both were equally possible. There was so much opportunity in both of them and, and being able to lean on that resource. So I can't even imagine how many people were probably changing just from even having a business. Yeah. Yes, this is, we never know the impact we're having on others either, do we? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. No, we just have to go ahead, go on and live a life well lived is, is giving back like you, like we started out talking about. If you just keep, if you just keep putting it out there without scarcity, just keep doing what you can do. Eventually it circles back in spades. That's just lovely. Thank you for that story. So if there was one thing that could happen that would just break this whole thing open for you guys, you guys would make the next leap to where you want to be. What does that look like what needs to happen next yeah the first thing <laughs> the first thing that came to mind to me so it may not be the highest on this but it's the first thing is that if we can really get everyone to sit down and and collaborate together all the entrepreneur support organizations if we can sit down and just collaborate together the resources are here and if we can come to some sort of agreement on how we want to put this out there obviously we're taking an effort with what we're doing with the center of entrepreneurial development and putting all these resources in one space, but we're just a small piece of the larger puzzle. And if we could start it here in central Ohio and get everybody just kind of work together, if we could get the same amount of airtime as some of the tragic stuff that we see on TV and radio, if we can get some of the positive things that are going on, especially in the entrepreneurial space, because I see that having such a huge impact on all the things that are the ills of our society today. You know, I won't bother going down the list. I think we, we're in this bubble. We understand where I'm coming from, but I really feel like it all touches. And if we can get everyone to just kind of get this vision of, yes, there is no scarcity of resources. Let's sit down together and collaborate. Now we're going to get we're going to get this expansive growth because we're sharing resources. It's like exponential growth, right? Force multiplier mm -hmm. in our military terms, right? That is like the biggest thing, I think. That's achievable. That's like low-hanging fruit. If we could just get the leadership in each of these entities to kind of come together and build this plan out to go forward. Form the constellation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So where can people get a hold of you? What's the best way that people can, you know, if there's somebody sitting there saying, I want to know more or I want to help or I've got a bit of information I know that would be useful to them. How should people connect with you guys? Um, so they can go to our website, um, www.theucbus, so U-C-Bus, B-U-S, 
com. We're also the same on Instagram. All our social at the UC bus. At the UC bus. Yeah. So LinkedIn, Facebook. But the best thing is, I mean, we're pretty personable and responsive. And accessible. Inaccessible. Right now. That right might not last long. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you get so busy that you can't possibly return my calls. <laughs> I want to retire one day. I want the mission to stay alive, but I also want to ride a horse mm-hmm. out in the country. So <laughs> that'll be your goal. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, we will put that in the show notes so that people who might want have some way to be a multiplier in this story can connect with you because that's what we've all got to do. We've all got to remember that we can, we have the power to amplify all the good that's happening in the world. And, and I got to tell you this. We'll be sure to, you know, leverage our resources to point people in the right direction. Yeah. Great, great, great. Well, for more information about what, what George and Lolo are doing, we'll make a very, very nice article for the Goodness Exchange out of this. So we'll be collaborating in the next few days about all the more information that we can have for people in that um, Goodness Exchange article. And remember to check out the Goodness Exchange, folks. You know, you can have instant access to all the good news in the world without politics and an advertising agenda there at the Goodness Exchange. We have to support journalism that is solutions-based. People like George and Lolo and I and my huge team and everyone we've ever written and written about, we're all hoping that everyone comes together to lift this version of reality up that there are people solving problems all over the world like this. And once we get in a movement to elevate that story about each other, no telling what's possible. Yeah. So thank you both. I hope the connections that we've shared of to goodness and progress will carry you through your week and you start finding all the joy and wonder that we've been talking about. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been great going down that memory lane. It's really inspirational. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, let's keep in touch. Have a great day. Thank you.